Do you have unrealistic expectations of other people, or maybe of yourself? And how does this make your life unmanageable? Let's talk about it today in episode 186 of The Recovery Show. This episode is brought to you by Tim and Holly. They used the donation button on our website. Thank you, Tim and Holly, for your generous contributions. This episode is for you. We are friends and family members of alcoholics and addicts who have found a path to serenity and happiness. We who live or have lived with the seemingly hopeless problem of addiction understand, as perhaps few others can. So much depends on our own attitudes, and we believe that changed attitudes can aid recovery. Before we begin, we would like to state that though we at The Recovery Show may be in a 12-step program, we represent ourselves rather than the program. During this show, we will share our own experiences. The opinions expressed here are strictly those of the person who gave them. Take what you like and leave the rest. We hope that you'll find something in our sharing that speaks to your life. My name is Spencer, and I'm your host today. Joining me is Eric. Welcome, Eric. Good morning, Spencer. Greetings from Greenwich, Connecticut. I wanted to start with a reading from Chapter 10 in the book, How Al-Anon Works. Chapter 10 is titled Changed Attitudes, and this section is titled, as you might expect, Expectations. One obstacle over which many of us stumble as we attempt to battle this disease of attitudes is our own expectations. There is no better way to make ourselves feel victimized and helpless than by harboring unrealistic expectations of ourselves and others, or by confusing expectations with needs and insisting that they be met. Attaching our well-being to a particular action or outcome is very risky. In essence, we make that situation a kind of higher power. We give our power over to other people and circumstances. At any moment, a turn of events could dash the dreams and plans upon which we've built our lives. Life is far too uncertain for such misplaced faith. So, it is in our best interest to examine our expectations. Are they realistic or based in fantasy? Do we hold them loosely, with the flexibility to let them go or to make adjustments as further information comes along? Or do we cling tightly to these flimsy ideas and invest our self-worth, our entire well-being, in them? If we allow our expectations to dominate, we set ourselves up to be victims or martyrs again and again. But here, too, we have the ability to change our attitudes. We can adjust our expectations so that they are more realistic. We can also detach from them, anchoring our well-being and peace of mind in our higher power, rather than any external situation. By seeking only the knowledge of God's will for us and the power to carry that out, step 11, we make great strides toward developing an unshakable inner peace and a sense of security that cannot be threatened by mere circumstances. So there's a lot there. Yeah, there sure is. And, and I thought I start, might start by just asking, what do you understand the word expectations to mean? How do, how do you understand those in your life, maybe now and before? When I started thinking about the subject and talking about it and sharing on it, and it's, there are no coincidences, my last, the last three meetings I went to somehow related to this topic. There are many, many things within it, as you mentioned, that are relevant. When I thought of expectations, I thought of my expectations of other people, what I expected them to do, how I expected them to act and behave. And when I, this is before coming to realize that that's an unhealthy way to look at it uh, because I was routinely and and, uh, continuously disappointed. I wrote after the men's meeting I had last night, when I have unrealistic or sometimes any expectations of others, I'm setting myself up to suffer disappointment, resentment, and blame. So that, you know, the resentment was in my, uh, the the expectations that I used to have and still do sometimes, it's about other people's behavior. When I looked into it and started thinking about it a little bit more, you know, the idea of expectations of myself, you know, shifted the way I was thinking about it. Mm-hmm. You know, what, what do what do or should I have? You know, what are healthy things that I should expect of myself? For that, I have control. You know, I have the ability to expect myself, you know, to act and behave in ways that are helpful for me, that are um, healthy for me, that, you know, continue uh, my growth. That means self-care, eating well, exercising, working my program. I think it's in the eye of the beholder, but what I do know by thinking and talking with people and reading is over and over in, in our readings, it says, 
it's almost the slogan, uh, let go and let God do the best I possibly can and let go of the outcome. Uh, because expecting an outcome is setting myself up for disappointment. So if that makes some sense, uh, that's kind of where I started thinking about this subject. Yeah, that, that touches a lot of, of my understanding as well. I think when I think about expectations, I think about expectations of other people. Um, I often expect other people to act in a certain way. I expect them to know what I want, to know what I'm thinking, and to do things my way without me having to tell them. I'm talking about behavior that I still have to some extent, but that was a lot more evident before I came into the the recovery program and, and started sort of working on myself. And outcomes is a, is a really tough one. I have often felt that if I do certain thing, that then other things will necessarily follow. Because obviously everybody thinks the way I do and does things the way I would do them. And so if I start something, they'll finish it in the right way. Yeah. How'd that, how'd that work out for you? Almost never. Yep. <laughs> And I really like this phrase that, that I heard. I guess it's a full sentence, really. I think fairly early in the program, and it really clarified for me what the the problem with expectations of other people is. And that statement is, expectations are premeditated resentments. And when I think about that, when I expect somebody to do something and they don't do it, I'm just as you say, setting myself up for disappointment or I'm setting myself up for resentment and anger and frustration. And particularly when I would expect my alcoholic loved one to do something or to not do, in other words, to not drink, I was always setting myself up, always. You know, maybe tonight she'll she'll only drink one glass of wine. Never happened. and And that just is not, a way to live a happy and serene life and just totally not continuously disappointed or continually. I always get confused between those two words. How about yourself? How do you see that, that statement working in your life? Almost identically when researching and thinking about this subject, it just, it's repeated over and over and over. When I expect other people to act in a certain way, I'm setting myself up. I'm just absolutely setting myself up resentment, blame, anger, disappointment. I asked this of uh, my sponsor, Bruce, who I think in the past was going to join us and last time got sick. And this time, as we only kind of decided to do this episode about, I don't know, less than 24 hours ago. Yeah. But he did email me his thoughts on the subject. And uh, I just, you know, value him so much, his his thoughts and his program of recovery that is so strong. Mm -hmm. If you don't mind, I'll, I'll read it. Yeah, please do subject to expectations. I used to have a lot of expectations, and I didn't even know it. I expected you to read my mind. I expected the world to treat me fairly. I expected the alcoholics in my life to behave like I did. I expected they would be responsible, like me. I expected they would tell the truth, like me. I expected them to be reasonable, like me. I expected my marriage to be perfect. I expected my marriage to last. I expected everyone would behave civilly towards one another. I expected love to conquer everything. Mm -hmm. I expected alcoholism to be a problem for drunks, bums, and winos, not me or someone I loved. Turns out, I was wrong about a whole lot of things. My experiences with alcoholism turned my world upside down. Things went from rosy to gray within a matter of years, and then to black shortly thereafter. I kept expecting things to get better. They didn't. Life went on. I got sicker. Mentally lying to myself, it was all their problem, not mine. I had an expectation if they only would stop doing all the things they did and didn't do, things would get better. One day, a friend told me I was repeating the same behaviors over and over. I didn't see it. I was stuck in my expectations of waking up every new day and hoping it would be better, different. He mentioned I might want to try Al-Anon. It helped him. I said, okay, I would. I did. It felt uncomfortably familiar. People spoke in riddles, live and let live. There was a HP, and I wasn't it. Higher power. Keep coming back. Happiness is an inside job, and expectations are premeditated resentments. 
like drinking the poison and hoping the other person would die. Whoa, new info, lots of new info. I could relate. I learned I didn't cause it. I couldn't cure it. I certainly couldn't control it. I kept coming back. Things improved. My view and expectations diminished. I chose to lower the bar, to remove expectations from most days, to allow others to be themselves. I can make choices for myself, not for them or because of them. I now turn expectation into compassion. It works. Bruce. Thanks, Bruce. That was great. Yeah. All kinds of stuff there. I don't even know where to start with it. <laughs> yeah, I know. Do you have do you have thoughts that, that that brings to you? Well, you know, I mean a lot of the similar thoughts. I mean, I expected if uh, I stopped drinking and went to you know, when I went first went to, you know, stumbled my way, crawled my way over broken glass into Avalon uh the rooms, cried my way through the first six meetings, I uh, heard in those rooms that it's a disease. I didn't buy into it. I thought it was an addiction. You certainly can't go to the store and buy a bottle of uh, cancer. But you can go buy cigarettes. You know, I started thinking, you know what? Addiction uh, and disease, hmm, where does it fall? So, look, I, I decided, look, these people have something I want, and they seem to have found it. They're telling me it's a disease. I'm buying into it. So where do I go to find out? how to cure a disease. You know, you go to where people cured their disease. So I expected that if I went to AA meetings and stopped drinking, that, you know, that first of all, if it's a disease and they got cured, they would tell me what to do. And I'd go back and tell her and she would do it. That's how I expected it would work. Yeah. So I went to a lot of AA meetings and you know what they said, how they cured themselves. They didn't drink and they went to meetings. So <laughs> that's it. It can't yeah. be that easy. I can't, can't possibly be that easy. So I went back and told her, you know, my wife, you know, they do it this way. You know, they go to meetings every day and don't drink. That didn't work out. <laughs> that didn't work out at all. Yeah. You know, I started feeling better because I understood the other side of it and what these people that had suffered through their disease uh, and still uh, treated it every day. I love the line that I heard that, you know, the medicine we get for our disease is through our ears. With that failure, expecting a result that didn't happen, I went back down on and related a lot more to the concept of how we help ourselves, not the other person, and how it's not our business to uh, try to do something to change them. Perhaps through my changed behavior, they will change, but perhaps not. Mm-hmm. In my case, in my case, it was not, and still is not. But I got a lot better, and now I um, I don't hold expectations up to other people, but I do to myself. I expect myself to uh, to progress and to eventually, you know, find more and more happiness and serenity. What's interesting about the reading I meant to mention the How Alan Works reading that you read to open the show. The topic that immediately follows that is serenity, and I don't think that's a coincidence. Actually, you know, that's I, I hadn't thought about the order of the sections in mm-hmm. that chapter. Let's see. It's Changed Attitudes is the chapter, The Power of Attitude, which I talked about in a, an episode recently, and then Gratitude, Serenity Prayer, Expectations, and Serenity. Yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> As we say. Yeah. Uh, so one of the things that I, I'm remembering now that I connected with in, in Bruce's share was he expected that when the drinking stopped, everything would get better. Right. He said something like that. I had that same expectation. Right. Uh, as I've, I've related before, my wife did have an extended period of sobriety fairly early in my tenure in Al-Anon. And I thought everything was fixed. And I was floating on that. I don't know. The alcoholics talk about the pink cloud. And I, I had that same experience that everything was wonderful. Everything was great. It was all fixed. Uh, I did keep going to meetings, but I didn't go to as many as I had been going to. And as it happens, my expectation that everything was good led to denial of problems that were occurring and a denial 
of the fact that she eventually relapsed at the end of about eight or nine months of sobriety. I think that meant that when I discovered the relapse, when I confronted her with it, that I fell a lot harder. I fell back very quickly into trying to control and being frantic and, and unmanageable. And I think if, if I had had my eyes a little wider open, that I probably wouldn't have fallen so, so far. Now I came back pretty quickly from it, but there were a few days that I was crazy. I was just all over the place. I actually walked up to a person in a coffee shop who I thought was my wife's doctor and blurted out that, that my wife had gone back into treatment. And this person said, I don't know who you think I am, but I am so-and-so. Turned out it was the, the mother of one of the kids in, in my kids' class at school. Oops. Yeah. And <laughs> I was like, oh, uh, sorry, boom, run away. You know, for the next couple of years, at least, every time I saw that person, I would kind of ignore them go the other way. Uh, I didn't know how to, didn't know how to really make amends for that. And I think that there may not have been anything I could have done really. And it was mostly on me, not on, not on her. She probably forgot about it very quickly, but I didn't. So having that expectation that everything was going to be okay, led me to being much more severely um, affected by, by the, the relapse eventually. And also, Everything's not okay. I mean, that's just life. Okay. And expecting that one change is going to fix all the problems. It's ridiculous. Okay. We still had disagreements. We still had money issues. We still had all the other things. And it was maybe easier to deal with them with both people sober, but they, they weren't gone. And furthermore, when she wasn't drinking, she actually wanted to have like input into how we did things. I mean, what's with that? Okay. I've been running the place for a decade because she was, you know, checked out. And all of a sudden she wants to have input. Come on. So <laughs> I had to deal with that. And, and Alan really helped me with that to adjust my expectation, my expectation that I was the one in control. Well, I'm not the one in control. We're a team. It works a lot better, actually, when we're a team. Go figure. So I wanted to move on to, to expectations that we have on ourselves. It's a little more insidious, I think. I expected that I had the power to fix my wife's alcoholism. So did you, right? I did. I, thought I, I literally thought I could love her sober. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I have expectations about how I should act. I have expectations about what I should be able to do. And and when I don't meet those expectations, again, I can be disappointed, frustrated, angry. And I think Al-Anon has really helped me, in particular, the fourth step inventory has really helped me to see what my abilities are and what my, if I can use the word disabilities, things that I'm not so good at, are. And having a more realistic view of myself, having a more realistic view of what I can accomplish, I don't try to overschedule a day, usually, makes life a lot easier. I don't know. How do you see that? When I kind of cross-reference the word online through various, of which there are hundreds and thousands of sites that talk about recovery and the disease, and I found some really interesting, um, and maybe, I don't know if this is answering your question, but I, I found some really interesting connections of different topics to the word. One is from something called the Recovery Table, Spiritual Awakening, um, and Addiction Recovery, and they connected acceptance with expectations. Actually, the title of this blog here is uh, Expectations, Acceptance, and Serenity. In that order, another ties the word expectations to boundaries. And uh, some of the quotes I'll just mention here that I think they're really good. And this one, the first 
paragraph says, acceptance is the answer to all my problems today. When I am disturbed, it is because I find some person, place, thing, or situation, some fact in my life unacceptable to me. And I can find no serenity until I accept that person, place, or thing, or situation as being exactly the way it is supposed to be at this moment. Nothing, absolutely nothing, happens in God's world by mistake. Until I could accept alcoholism, I cannot accept completely life life on life's terms, and I cannot be happy. And that actually is taken directly from one of the stories in uh, Alcoholics Anonymous Big Book. Okay, I'm sure it is. It's in quotes. I didn't notice that. And it says then below, my serenity is inversely proportional to my expectations, and my serenity is directly proportional to my level of acceptance. Pretty good. I mean, I hadn't thought of it. The more expectations I have for how people, places, circumstances, and the world should behave, the less serenity I will have, as only God is omniscient. On the other hand, the more acceptive I am of how the people, circumstances, and the world change around me, the more serenity I have. Pretty good stuff. You know, it ties into the whole concept of let go, live and let live. I mean, I was thinking last night about, you know, what, what uh, as I call them, the slogans, I call them pocket change that I can take from a meeting. What pocket change can I take from this meeting? And it's usually a slogan. But it's like a lot of them that apply to this subject. Live and let live, uh, let go and let God, easy does it, keep it simple. I think all, all of those can be uh, picked up under this uh, subject to some degree. Yeah. Wanted to look one more aspect of expectations, which is other people's expectations of us. How do I, how do I see them? How do I understand them? How do I deal with them? How do I... If if I don't meet other people's expectations or if I'm not going to meet other people's expectations, how do I deal with that? And how does that potentially hurt me, I guess? And I just think about, we all generally have unstated expectations of how, how other people are going to act. I guess for me, the thing that I've really learned is to make things explicit, to be open and if I feel that somebody else is expecting me to do something to act in a particular way and they're not saying it, that it might be really, really good for me to say, Hey, you know, what, what do you want me to do here? What are you expecting me to do here? Because then we can get that out in the open. We can talk about it and we can come to an agreement of actually what's realistic. I can say my part. I can say, well, I, I can't do that, or, oh, yeah, no problem, or, well, I can do part of that, but not the whole thing. It seems like such a a healthier way for me to live when I actually understand what people want. Um, So in exchange last night, my wife had gone upstairs to get ready for bed, and I was downstairs finishing up some stuff, and this is how we roll in our house. She sends me a text message and says, uh, I want to get up at 7.30 and take a shower. I was like, okay, she wants to get up at 7.30 and take a shower. That's fine with my plans because I'm, I'm supposed to start podcasting at, at 7 or so. So I will definitely not be in the shower at that point and in her way. A minute later, I get another text with a question mark. And I texted back. I said, question mark, what? And she said, I want to take a shower at 7.30. I said, yeah, I saw that. She said, well, I wanted to make sure you saw it. So she had an expectation <laughs> that I would respond to her text. Yeah. Okay. That's interesting. My my sponsor, Bruce, always says, look for the punctuation, you know, and you, as as I would have, thought, well, I don't need to respond. Okay. That was a statement. It wasn't a question. Yeah. There was no punctuation there. Are you okay with that? Yeah. Then I would have said, sure, that's fine. <laughs> and and that brings me to, I think, one of the ways in which I, I'm going to say deal with, deal with is sort of a negative term for me, but I can't think of a better one right now. How I deal with expectations in both directions now, which comes to understanding the other person, understanding a little bit about how they work in their life and and how they think. I think I was being a little bit oppositional last night because I know, I know that she wants confirmation of stuff. I know that. And so I think I was just like, I'm not going to answer. 
because I don't want to, okay? And that got us into this little negative exchange. Another one, and I, I found this, there's a little bit of a reading from, from Courage to Change here. I don't remember what day of the year this came from, but this is about expectations. Here's an example. I have a brother who is less attentive to being prompt than I am. When I make a plan with him that involves meeting at a certain time, I am cooperating and establishing conditions that encourage me to nurse a resentment. On the other hand, when I make a plan with my brother that is based on no expectation of promptness, I feel no resentment. And again, uh, an example from personal life recently, my daughter's boyfriend, which I didn't know this until this event happened, uh, he has a lot of trouble being on time for things. Uh, I don't know why, but it it is. On Christmas Day, we had said, hey, why don't you guys come over at one o'clock and we'll do the present thing and then we'll hang out and we'll have a meal and so on. And one o'clock came and one o'clock went and one thirty. And at some point in there, I texted my daughter and said, uh, you guys got an ETA? And and she said soon or something like that. And they finally showed up at two o'clock and, and she explained that it's really hard getting him going. <laughs> and that, so now I know. When I make a plan with them, they're probably going to be late. I can let go of my expectation that if I say, as we did last night, I said, hey, why don't you, they were coming over for dinner. They had to leave for another event. And so wanted to come a little bit earlier than we had planned. I said, fine, why don't you come between five and five thirty? And I think they actually got here about quarter to six, but I understood that this was probably going to be the case and it didn't bother me. I just was like, yeah, they're not here yet. And actually dinner wasn't quite ready. So that was okay. Just the difference in my attitude or my expectation makes a huge difference in my attitude about what happens or doesn't happen. You get any examples that uh, about letting go or understanding how another person behaves and not setting unrealistic expectations on them, I guess is what I just was talking about. Oh, yeah. Many. <laughs> Many. I have two teenage daughters. Where do I begin? <clears throat> um, you know, I, my older daughter, who's also struggled quite a bit, I know now that if I text her and I'm, I'm picking her up to do something, are you almost ready? Would, for instance, be a typical text. If I get uh, almost, I know I can take a shower, have breakfast before I even leave to get in the car to go there. I got about 45 minutes. If I text, are you ready? And I get yes, I know I have time at least to stop and get a cup of coffee, maybe a bagel. Uh, that's, that's maybe 15, 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, and it even works with my 14-year-old. Uh, I take her to school every day, every morning and bring her home from school. Coming home from school is easy. You know, the bell rings. I know she'll be on the curb by, you know, 225. Getting to school has been an absolute battleground. She's late or almost late virtually every day. And that's unusual for her. She used to be very prompt with this stuff. But I know with her that it's, um, you know, I'm coming. For instance, I'm in her driveway of her mother's house. And uh, I'm coming means that's about 10 minutes. <laughs> I I used to just sit and sweat and get, you know, start to text again and again and call her and maybe beat the horn. And I'm coming to me means, you know, I'm virtually at the door, my hands on the doorknob and I'll be there in five seconds. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what I do now, instead of letting that steal my serenity, I'll turn on the radio, do a meditation, uh, listen to the recovery show. Maybe, uh, but anything, anything but spin out of control and let it rob me of my peace of mind. So yeah, all that stuff. I think just understanding the other person and you know whether look there'll be natural consequences for uh, this behavior. My daughter, my older, routinely misses appointments because she just can't get herself ready mm-hmm. fast enough. Mm-hmm. You know, and so it is what it is. Yeah. Um, she 
couldn't she couldn't get herself ready in time to go and she's finally getting her, her driver's license and she needed to go you know she passed the test she needs to go get the actual picture taken and the license you know uh, the time was ticking away and we knew the place was closing she finally got ready i said we can't even get there by the time it's going to close this was just two days ago and they closed yeah she was disappointed and sulking and crying we'll go next week there's really nothing else to say you missed it yeah i was thinking about my one kid had a lot of trouble getting to school on time and and i'm fortunate to live in a place where both kids could get themselves to high school senior year i finally let go of making sure the kids were up and out the door in time to get to school. Partway through the first semester, my kid came to me and said, can you help me get up on time in the morning? Because I'm getting too many detentions for being late to school. I let them hit their natural consequence. And they eventually said, I need to do something about this and I need some help. And then I said, okay, I will come once at a time you tell me and wake you up. What time is that that you want me to come? And so that was what I did. You know, at 7.15, I would stick my head in their bedroom door and say, hey, you got to get up and go to school. And then I would let go of it. I guess things got better. <laughs> I think I think they, they were able to get to school on time more regularly and not suffer those consequences. But that's that's what that's what worked for me in that circumstance. And of course I didn't have to drive them, so I wasn't involved in in the actual transportation either. So letting go of outcomes uh, I got another reading here. We need to be as clear as possible when we delegate a task to someone, especially if we have specific expectations. If we send someone to the store for bread and have in mind that we want whole wheat bread, it is important for us to communicate this. If we are not specific, we have no right to criticize if we receive pumpernickel instead. And it talks about two things. One is that specific thing. Like if I really want something specific, if I want you know, whole wheat bread and not pumpernickel, I need to say that, or at least I need to say not pumpernickel. But the, the other thing is that if I really don't care what kind of bread that I get, maybe I have a preference, maybe I'm... I'm thinking whole wheat when I send them off and they come home with pumpernickel. I'm okay with pumpernickel. If I can do that acceptance thing, say, okay, it wasn't exactly what I wanted, but I didn't tell them exactly what I wanted and I'm still getting bread and I'm okay with that. It's that attitude thing about my life can be okay, even if things don't go exactly the way I expect them to, if I can accept the way that they actually happen. Maria was talking last week about her struggle with infertility and her acceptance that it was not going to be that she could have a child and and then moving forward from that to something different because she was able to accept what was the thing that she really didn't have control over after trying all the things that she tried i hope i can be that way about other things in my life you know how do you let go of or accept outcomes that are not what you expected. Can you just say pumpernickel one more time, please? Pumpernickel. <laughs> <laughs> I can honestly say that I've never bought pumpernickel bread, but the word is very funny sounding. After the prior reading you were gonna uh, that you mentioned about getting to school on time and my share about the same subject, you know, it led to another um, cross-reference that I'd found, which is, boundaries and expectations. And when you set a boundary um, that, you know, I will wake you once and then it's up to you, that's a boundary. I have a good reading on it. Uh, It says um, expectations are external. Boundaries are internal. Expectations are what we have with other people, usually after they fail to meet them repeatedly. And then we lay down what we call, mistakenly, a boundary. Insert behavior modification here, it actually says in the text. Such as, I need you to call if you're going to be home late, especially if I've prepared dinner. After he or she has come home late for dinner repeatedly with an expectation and wrongfully labeled boundary. We repeat this over and over, getting angrier and angrier, whereas 
because with a boundary, we say, if you blank, I will blank. Boundaries are internal ways to take distance and protect ourselves from other people's actions. We may say boundaries out loud or not, but in this instance, we would say, if you're late again for dinner and don't call, I will not prepare dinner for you for a month. That seems a little harsh, but okay. She Whatever. <laughs> a month, yeah. Whatever. If you do this, I will do that. That's a clear boundary. And um, if she's late one more, he or she is late one more time, then subsequently comes home one on time. Even after that, I would prepare my dinner, but not theirs, and sit down and enjoy it, whether they were there or not. She goes on, you know, to give examples using I statements, which I really try hard to do. Mm -hmm. uh, she says later in this uh, some a fairly lengthy article. First, she says, if I don't enforce my boundary, it teaches us both the codependent manipulation and many other forms of covert warfare, or even full frontal warfare. It's just unhealthy with bad results for me. Today, I try to use the I feel statements. Let's use the dinner as an example. I feel when you come home late without calling, when I've been cooking you dinner, it shows a lack of respect for me. And if you come home late again without calling, I won't prepare your dinner for a month. This is how I feel. It's non-negotiable. It is my boundary. I protect myself from people who don't change their behavior as opposed to behavioral modification, which I mistook for boundaries. You know, I think that's really good. I um, mm -hmm. Can you give me a reference for that? Let's see. Boundaries, Expectations, Al-Anon Family Group, and it was in a blog. Mm. Yeah, I can forward it to you. Boundaries and expectations, you know, are linked, I think. Expectations of someone who has repeatedly fallen short of what you expect of them, as simple as arriving on time or getting to school on time. When I'm sitting in the driveway waiting and waiting and waiting, I can let that ruin my day or I can set a boundary that I'm going to leave if you're not in the car because I need to get to work. That's that's a really good uh, a really good point there and a really good connection. I hadn't thought about boundaries versus expectations, and I really liked the statement in the reading that expectations are external and boundaries are internal. I think that's something that is really difficult. Was really difficult for me to understand. How do I set a boundary on somebody else? And the answer is, I don't set it on somebody else. I set it on my response to their behavior. Exactly. If you come home late without calling, I won't make dinner for you for some period of time. I mean, that's that's a boundary on that person's response. And then they sit and have an enjoyable dinner by themselves and watch TV or whatever. I mean, it doesn't yeah. have a negative effect on my serenity. You know, that's, that's the goal. Yeah, I think if it was me, I might have said something like, I'm going to eat dinner at 6 o'clock or whatever, whether you're here or not, unless you call and tell me you're going to be late. Right. It's, it's a little less harsh. Yeah, yeah she was pretty, <laughs> pretty firm. <laughs> but it works, you know, it works. Yeah, so letting go of unrealistic expectations and setting reasonable or realistic expectations, and I'm going to add here, and boundaries. Yeah. And the uh, leads to a great, uh, but my third and final cross-reference. This is from something called Expectation Versus Reality. And it says, in life, whether at work or home, there are expectations and there are realities. One hopes for certain things to occur and then observes how things play out over time. Rarely does life play the hand which we expect to encounter. And yet often, the reality is, in real terms, no worse than our expectation. Just different. Some say that if you hope for nothing, you'll never be disappointed. But that seems to me to miss the point. I have to question the purpose of life itself if I hope for nothing more than than already exists. Others say that I should make things happen, not wait for chance. But can I make snowfall on a perfect landscape or engineer a serendipitous meeting of minds? Many of the most valuable moments in life can't be made to occur. Pretty cool. Yeah. Forcing outcomes almost never works for me. Yeah. It it becomes very clear when you say something like making snowfall on a perfect landscape. Well, yeah, okay, I can't do that. But where in my life have I tried to do something that's like that, where I thought I had the control? 
yeah, if I do this, she'll certainly do that. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know. I think, I think uh, actually our, our Christmas Day experience is an example of that. Like we had a plan, you know, we we're going to do this and this and this and this. And it was all going to be perfect. And you know what? It didn't work out the way that we had laid it out. Boom, 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 boom. But it was still good. Yeah. Uh, it was, it was just as perfect in a different way. And if I had, if I had held on to this expectation of schedule, I would have just been mad and not enjoyed what happened. That was me, you know, before program. You know, if it didn't work out my way, I was I was a mess. Yeah. Upset, mad, angry, blame, all that stuff that we're trying to work on to get rid of. Yeah. So I wanted to uh, maybe end, end this discussion with hopefully an example from both of our lives. I'll start of a time when letting go of expectations improved my experience. I think I've talked about this before, but some years back, over a decade ago, actually, before my wife had stopped drinking, so it's definitely over a decade ago, my parents were moving out of the house that I grew up in, the house that they had lived in for almost 50 years. And they wanted to have the whole family back for for Christmas one more time. And I had lots of memories of Christmas in that house growing up through the years, my grandparents coming, all the things we did, making cookies and decorating the tree and going and cutting down a tree and all those things. We were going to be there for less than a week. I could have piled up all those expectations of all those wonderful things that were going to happen that had happened in years past, and and I wanted to relive them all one more time. Luckily, I had been in the program for a couple of years at that point, and I understood that if if I piled up that heap of expectations, I would be inevitably disappointed because not all of them were going to happen. Just not all of them were going to happen. There was no way. So I said to myself, before we went, I said, we're going to go. And I had, you know, my wife was drinking. I had two teenage kids. So there was a lot of room for chaos in that situation. Uh, and I said, I'm not going to expect any particular thing to happen. I'm going to enjoy what does happen. It was great. And yeah, the kids acted out and yeah, my wife drank, but I had a good time because I wasn't measuring it against something that didn't happen. I was just being open and accepting to what did happen. To me, that just really showed me the the power of not having unrealistic expectations in a situation. I don't know if you had any kind of similar experience you can relate. I hadn't thought about something in particular other than the idea, you know, of waiting for my daughters to get into the car to go <laughs> somewhere. And, you know, that's daily. I mean, that's yeah. that's virtually every day. Yeah. Um, the way I've changed my behavior is I give them more notice. I give them a lot more notice in one part, one of their cases. I give them an hour's notice, and then I check in again at the half-hour mark, and then at the 15-minute mark, and then at the five-minute mark. Mm-hmm. So I'm not setting myself up to be waiting in the car an hour later for another 35 minutes. Yeah. I check in. I know that you know for whatever a teenage 19-year-old girl does, it takes a hell of a long time, apparently. <laughs> uh you know, I don't know. I mean, I could have, you know, I could have heart surgery in that amount of time. I, you know, I <laughs> I could go to the gym, do a workout, have breakfast, come home, take a shower and change in the time that she takes to, I guess, get ready to go yeah. out the door, which in my case, when I decide I'm leaving in five minutes, it's five minutes. Yeah. Uh, so I don't set myself up for those things as much as yeah. I used to by acknowledging and recognizing that someone else's behavior is different than mine. And that's daily. It's yeah. become every day. I don't expect much of this day other than what comes of it. I yeah, I know I have a plan. I'm going to church to do the readings this morning. I'm going to probably watch some football uh, later in the day. I expect that those things will happen if they don't. It's okay. I've learned to let it go. And just easy does it. And simple slogans that help us through these times help us to not be let down and continuously disappointed by other people's, our expectations of other people. Let's yeah. put it that way. 
Yeah, the other the other thing I heard you say earlier was that you have something with you that you can do if you have to wait. So so you 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 not only have changed your expectation of her behavior, but you also have made a made a sort of a backup plan. Exactly. Um, and I think that's also very helpful for me to when when I'm in a situation where I'm dependent on somebody else to do something, to have a plan of what I'm going to do when they they aren't coming up to the expectation that that I had. There's a Chinese proverb before we begin that, that I loved. I, I did you know a bunch of printed a bunch of uh, notable quotes, brainy quotes, whatever. They, there's lots of websites for these, but there's obviously a lot on expectations. But I'll just read. There's some great Shakespeare references to expectations. But the, the one I like most is the Chinese proverb, which says, "You cannot fill your belly by painting pictures of bread." There you go. After a short break, we will continue with our lives in recovery, where we talk about how recovery works in our daily lives and in our meetings. Our first musical selection, which you can listen to on the website at therecoveryshow.com/slash one eight six, the Rolling Stones with their song "No Expectations," and I thought that was you know a good place to start, right? Uh, if we yeah. can get to a plane in our life where we don't have expectations, we, we'll be happier. And just a few lyrics here. Take me to the station and put me on a train. I've got no expectations to pass through here again. You know, Moving on in life and not having expectations about coming back to what was, but looking forward to what, what will be. In this section of the podcast, we talk about our lives in recovery, what's happening in our meetings and our lives this week. Eric, how about you? Yeah, I had a good week of recovery. Um, you know, my meditation program has gotten um, really strong. It's been such a transformative. I, you know, I, I wish someone had said sooner. I mean, a couple of years ago, I heard someone that's been in the room for 30 years say, you know, the steps are in order for a reason, all but one. Step 11, you can start right away. And so I did. I use an incredible app, and I think you you probably linked it in one of the prior episodes we did together, called Inside Timer. And they started, um, and I've, I've you know I'm now up to I don't know 200 consecutive days uh, that they track and give you little stars. And believe it or not, those stars are actually uh, <laughs> something I look forward to getting. It's, you know? it's an effective it's reinforcement. Huh? It really is. It's like a you know a five year old. You just get a gold star. You bounce it off the ceiling. I mean, you go to the the kid goes to the dentist. He gets a little sticker of a smiley face. He's ecstatic. Who would have thought? So simple. Uh, but anyway, the, the feedback on on that site is fantastic to keep you motivated. Had a good week of meditation and actually earned a new star for, I think, 90 consecutive days or something like that. They started actually on that site, uh, something called 365, and which is uh, members who want to try to make, a, a, uh, make it a year of continuous daily meditation. Uh, and there's something like 25,000 members on that group in, within the app so far. Uh, so this week, I made my Thursday home group meeting, which was great. That's a, that's a sizable group. And it was on detachment. Always a crowd pleaser. I shared that um, the less I do for others, the better I do for myself. Uh, the more things work out better for everyone. You know, the subject was detachment, worry, control, letting go. Thing I wrote the two types of business, my business and not my business. And they shared on a reading that was from Courage to Change uh, last week on Thursday morning, which was a very good reading. And uh, Saturday, I did the morning meeting, which was on loss, uh, loss of dreams, uh, again, worry. I also tied uh, expectations into loss. And I, I mentioned that, you know, for years, my uh, my dreams had turned to nightmares, as Bruce shared in his reading that my dreams are now just different today. They're different dreams mm. uh, and they're seldom nightmares. I just have changed. I've changed what I expect. And then the men's group last night, I didn't lead, but it did touch on the subject of expectations. You know, I think the leader spoke about trying to not worry about what's going to happen. 
and again, expectations in my mind ties directly to that. If I don't have expectations of how tomorrow should or would go or will go, then I can drop it. And uh, what happens, happens. I just wrote what I said earlier, when I have unrealistic or sometimes any expectations of others, I'm setting myself up to suffer. So it was uh, a good week, and now I'm here with you. And here we are. All right, my week. So this week, I had my annual fifth step with my boss at work. Um, except, you know, in that case, he tells me my character defects, of course, and my assets. And, and we do, we do a pretty good job of, of balance of saying this went well. Uh, this is a strength. And here's the places where things didn't go well or where uh, you need to improve. It was, it was a very balanced meeting. And really, I always go into that meeting with some anxiety and trepidation. There had been an interaction in the previous week that left me feeling very unsettled where I had done something and he called me on it, basically. I think he let go of it after that. I think he said to me, he said, no, wasn't I clear about um, how this was to be communicated to other people? Because I had said something about a change that was coming that wasn't like yet announced and and apparently somebody got anxious about it and it got back to him that I had said something and, and he said, you know, what, what happened there? I said, well, you know, I kind of alluded, said there was some changes coming and it was going to change the way in which I interacted with that group of people. And he said, you know, wasn't I clear about not saying anything? I said, well, apparently not clear enough. And he said, okay, well, I guess there was communication issues on both sides. And I think at that point he let go of it, but I held on to it for for the week and I was sure it was going to come up in my review and it didn't <laughs> totally didn't you know um yeah the ways in which we kick ourselves uh, are often more severe than the ways in which other people kick us it's um it's it's something I have to remember uh, so I was anxious going into it but it was good we basically agreed on just about everything he rated me a little bit lower in a couple of areas than I did in my self evaluation but uh, at the end of the day I I, he said, you want to change anything? I said, no, I, you know, there's nothing there to disagree with. Um, I think, I think we were pretty closely aligned really. And it was good. It was a good year uh, with some, you know, occasional failures, but that's okay. Cause I know I can move forward. I can be, I can do the progress, not perfection thing and be okay with it. Last week at my step meeting, and I don't remember why I didn't talk about this. Oh, because, because I didn't do my, my, my week in review, lives and recovery thing in the in the last episode of the podcast because that was that that was all focused on Maria's story. This meeting, my Saturday morning meeting, once a month, the first Saturday of the month, one of the tables in the meeting is working through the blueprint for progress. And so I had brought my blueprint with me and sat down at that table and then there was a newcomer at, at the other table and they were going to do a step one and I thought, you know, I'm kind of in a place for a step one, so I moved over there. So it was, you know, a change for me. I came in expecting one thing and did another. And it was, it was, it was a really, it was actually a, a great step one meeting. Uh, a lot of people, a lot of deep sharing. Yesterday, we were on step five in my step meeting. We read out of Paths to Recovery. Oh, and there was a section about the words, the exact nature of our wrongs, which talks about digging down and finding what's underneath the things we did to more about how we felt and what drove us to it or, or, or led us to the things we did. I realized that this again, coming back to work, there's a couple of uh, things that happened at work that I understood when I took the time to sit and inventory such a powerful tool such a powerful tool for me I took the time to sit in inventory and I understood that number one they were coming out of stress in one case I was feeling that there was not enough time for the things I need to do over the next year and trying to save a few seconds in my interactions with other people was causing me to be interrupt them and be rude that was really counterproductive so being aware of that, then I can catch myself when I start to do it. And so that's been happening over the last couple of weeks. And the other one was this, this thing where my boss called me out where I realized when I inventoried it, it takes me back to a place where 
I want to look like I know what's going on because I want you to see me as, uh, you know, somebody who's important or whatever. I don't know. It's, it, I can't quite put words on it. Uh, and so this is why I would, I said this thing like, oh, yes, this change is coming. Like, hey, I'm clued in. You guys don't know this yet. Uh, it's very, very much ego driven and, and being able to understand why I did it makes it easier to not do it. Um, so that's a couple, couple of places this week where I reflected back from the step five on how I had actually used those tools, uh, recently. And we had, as I said, my daughter and her boyfriend over last night and I let go of my expectation that they would be on time and it was, it was good. Yeah. So thinking forward, I'm working to get uh, one or two Alateen sponsors in here to talk about what it's like being an Alateen sponsor, how it, um, you know, maybe feeds their recovery and uh, what it, what the experience is. And, and I hope to do that in the next, uh, in the next few weeks. I still have, I'm trying to set it up with the, with the people. It's uh, tricky getting, you know, a couple people in the same place at the same time, but I hope to do that. Uh, also have been talking about the question, how am I trustworthy? I still want to do that. If you're interested in talking about that question, uh, let me know. Send, send us email or voicemail and join our conversation. How can people do that, Eric? You can call and leave us a voicemail at 734-707-8795. Call right now, 734-707-8795. You can also use the voicemail button on the website to join the conversation from your computer. If you prefer not to use your voice, you can send email to feedback at com. We'd love to hear from you. Share your experience, strength, and hope, or your questions about today's topic of expectations or any of our upcoming topics. If you have a topic you'd like to, us to talk about, let us know. All the information about the show is on the website, which again is therecoveryshow.com, all mushed together, including notes for each episode, an occasional blog and links to the music that we talk about. Also links to some other recovery podcasts and websites. You can also find all the ways to contact us there that we've talked about at therecoveryshow.com slash contact. It also has information about participating in the show as a guest host. And Eric, you want to talk about our next music selection? I'm sure no one has heard of this song, Let It Be, by the Beatles. The song, uh, Interesting Facts You May Not Know, however, is that McCartney wrote this song inspired by his mother, Mary, who died when he was 14. I think a lot of people think the uh, song is about a biblical reference to Mother Mary. Really? But uh, it's not. And McCartney, uh, mm. now I'm reading, McCartney had a dream one night. Uh, when he was paranoid and anxious, he saw his mom, who'd been dead for 10 years or so. She came to him in his time of trouble, speaking words of wisdom. And this brought him much peace when he needed it. It was this sweet dream that got him to begin writing the song. And the other, uh, you know, the song I read uh, someone say, uh, the title is basically whatever's going to happen will happen. Yep. No expectations. No expectations. Okay. Let's look at our emails here. I want to. I'll start with an email from Claire. She writes, "Hi Spencer, I too want to thank you for this life-giving podcast. I'm living in Switzerland, and we have other addictions in our home, but I'm totally Al-Anon material." It all applies, and I learned so much from you all. I just have a comment for a woman who wrote to you on a recent podcast who said she is angry a lot of the time at her partner and her two young children. I have struggled for years with this issue, especially as it affects my parenting. Last year, I came across a parenting support organization called Hand in Hand Parenting. It's the first time I've had, I have concrete tools to use, and it's changing my way of parenting. I don't feel like a constant failure anymore. I know this is an outside issue, but in case it could be helpful for someone out there, I recommend visiting their website. Thanks. And thank you, Claire. I've, I've not heard of that, and I'm probably past the, the hand-in-hand parenting phase of my life, but I will put a link to that in the show notes at therecoveryshow.com slash 186. Anna sent us a note. Thank you. 
I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for your wonderful, wonderful podcast. It has helped me so often and so much, especially in the past few days, which have been pretty challenging due to a relapse. Please keep up the great, wonderful, helpful work. All my love from Germany, Anna. That's cool. We got one from Switzerland and one from Germany. Yeah. There are people outside the U.S. listening. I know that, but it's still cool when, when I get a communication. Holly, who was one of the people who donated to support the show this week, it wrote, thank you for helping me with my recovery. Great show. And thank you, Holly. Thank you for, for supporting the work we do here. Um, and Grace uh, is a sometime participant on the show, and she wrote about episode 185. You want to read that, Eric? Sure. Grace says, I just listened to episode 185, Maria, Beyond Recovery. It's so good to hear from her again. Thank you for having her on. I always connect with her sharing, and this week was no exception, Grace. I had fun doing that, and I, I really would love to do something similar uh, with other people. So again, if you, if you have a Beyond Recovery story to share, uh, get in touch, and we'll set up a time and talk about it. Take about maybe half an hour of your time. Rachel wrote to Maria, Dear Maria, Thank you so much for sharing your story this week, and Spencer for facilitating and asking great questions. I related to this so much. Living with alcoholism, addiction, and my codependency issues, I've always been too fearful to take risks in my life. I played it safe because I was supposed to be the responsible one. Survival, financial security, and taking care of others came before my own happiness. I had dream jobs that I cast aside because I thought there was no way I could be good enough at them to make a living. Long before my son was born, I knew that I would want to be a stay-at-home parent for the first few years of my child's life. When he was born, I spent my entire maternity leave thinking I had to find a way to stay home, but I was so afraid my ideas wouldn't work out and we couldn't survive without my income that I ended up going back to work and hating it. So here I am in this good enough job, but not living the life that I envisioned for myself. I've only been in Al-Anon for four months, but already I'm seeing a transformation within myself. I've realized no one is standing in my way except for me. I've realized that not only is my happiness a need, as Maria pointed out, but that I'm worthy of it. Just a couple weeks ago, I decided I'm going to take the leap. I'm going to quit my job, put a pin in my current career, and stay home with my son while I pursue those dream jobs. Before I came to Al-Anon, I didn't have a net. I didn't have the support of the fellowship or a higher power. I didn't think that I had the support of my loved ones. I didn't have the self-love or sense of worth to honor what I needed to live my life more wholeheartedly. While I've never felt more sure of myself and at peace with such a major decision, I'm still scared. That stinking thinking still creeps up, telling me it's too risky and I'm not good enough to make this work. But just as I start to doubt myself, my higher power makes itself known in the most amazing ways. Today, it was this episode. The story was exactly what I needed to hear. Thank you again for sharing your experience, strength, and hope. And I wish the very, you the very best of luck, Rachel. And I forwarded that to Maria, who responded briefly, Wow, that is amazing. I did try the suggestion of beforehand asking my higher power to help me to say something that is useful to someone out there, and I guess that works. Thanks for passing this on. Also, I thought of a song later that would have been great for the episode, in a funny but not very program sort of way. Song is "Take This Job and Shove It" by Johnny Paycheck. A smiley. I'm like, yeah, okay, that, that's so appropriate uh, to both of these. Thank you, Rachel, for sharing your story and the growth that that you've seen in just your short time that you've been in the program. Obviously, you really threw yourself into it, and uh, I hope, as you say, uh, all the best in in your endeavors. And, and let us know. Keep in touch. It doesn't cost you anything to listen to The Recovery Show, but we do have expenses, which run about $60 a month. I think it's actually a little higher than that now. should go back and figure that out, but it's okay. You can help to support us and keep us on the web and in your ear in a couple of ways. We have a donation button on the website where you can support us directly, just like Tim and Holly did, and thank you again, Tim and Holly. We have put together a list of recovery-related books. And by the way, if if you have a favorite recovery book that's not on that list, let me know. I'll be happy to put it on. Click on the books link at the top of the page, or in the menu at the top of the page. And if you order one of these books from Amazon through our website, we will receive a small commission. 
In fact, anything you order from Amazon after clicking on one of the links costs you nothing extra and helps to keep us on the air. Thank you for your support in whatever form you give it. Whether it's sharing the podcast with your friends, direct them to therecoveryshow.com, or just listening to us. We're here for you. And Eric, I know you picked out another song that you felt was really good for this. It's Castles Made of Sand by Jimi Hendrix. I didn't know much about the song, but when I um, you know, searched for songs about expectation, this one popped up and I read about it. It's pretty amazing. It says, this is one of uh, Hendrix's most autobiographical and personal songs. He hated talking about his past and avoided it during press conferences and interviews. Hendrix read the words for the song as a poem instead of singing them. There's a line in the song. I mean, some of the lyrics are, down the street, you can hear her scream, you're a disgrace. And she slams the door in his drunken face. And now he stands outside. All the neighbors start to gossip and drool. And the, um, the phrase castle in the sand is about false expectations. The whole song is about depression and false expectations, building on foundations of sand as the Bible parable. Mm-hmm. The fleeting fleeting nature of dreams not grounded in reality just wash away eventually. Mm-hmm. One of Hendrix's all-time great tunes. Yep. Thank you for listening, and please keep coming back. Whatever your problems, there are those among us who have had them too. If we did not talk about a problem you are facing today, feel free to contact us so we can talk about it in a future episode. May understanding, love, and peace growing you one day at a time. <laughs>